Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Today we are continuing in our series, Defeating the Enemies of the Soul, and we are in uh, part five of this series. And uh, we're going to be going to the book of Exodus here in just a little bit. And so uh, while you are finding the book of Exodus, let me tell you something that I really believe that we're going to find out today. And I'm hoping that we will all get to take this step together and to realize that there is a point beyond which tolerance ceases to be a virtue. Let me say that one more time. There is a point beyond which tolerance ceases to be a virtue. As I said this morning, we're continuing in the series, Defeating the Enemies of the Soul. We are in our fifth lesson in this series. In part number one, we learned that the Old Testament account of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt and into the promised land was not written for their sakes. It was not written just as a historical account. They lived it. They didn't need to know about it. They were there. We weren't there. But it was not written for just a historical perspective. Rather, it was written as a roadmap for us. God gave us a roadmap in the Old Testament. And so we drew in that first lesson, part one, we drew some parallels between Satan and between Pharaoh. We drew some parallels and showed how Egypt represented the world and how what God did with his natural children, he was now doing today in our lives as his spiritual children. We realized that we could go back into the book of Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, and we can find ourselves in the pages of that book on our spiritual journey coming out of the world, coming out of sin, being water baptized, being filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit, receiving the Word of God, going to church. All of that is in the book of Exodus. All of that happened in natural form with the children of Israel, which today is a roadmap for us. And we realize that the natural enemies that the children of Israel faced on their journey and their conquest of the promised land were the spiritual enemies that each one of us will face in our spiritual walk with God on our way to our promised land. Part number two, we discovered the first enemy that we will face. It was the Canaanite. The Canaanite is compromise compromise. We learned how to identify the voices of compromise and what we could do to defeat that Canaanite in our lives. We realize that we cannot live a, a victorious Christian life with one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God. And that Canaanite tries to get us to compromise, to live like the world lives. Part three, we studied the Hittite. The Hittite hopes to terrorize and paralyze the Christian. That Hittite wants to make you so afraid. He wants to puff himself up and make you think he's bigger than he is so that you will be confused, so that you will lose heart, and so that you will go to pieces, not knowing what to do. That's what he did to the children of Israel. 
He calls them to be so afraid they were confused. They went to pieces on God and did not know what to do. They were paralyzed with fear. That's what this Hittite wants to do. He wants to look bigger than he is. He wants to present himself bigger than your God. He's a liar. Last week we talked about the Amorite. The Amorite showed us that there is a difference between being strongly principled based on God's word and being stubbornly opinionated based on your likes and your dislikes and your preferences. There is a difference between being principled and opinionated. And we realized that this Amorite was doing everything he could to divide us on opinions, on the negotiable things in life. Trying to divide us, this Amorite tries to divide the very church of the living God along denominational lines, on opinions, on on things that are suppositions and imaginations. He divides families, he divides communities, he divides nations. He's just wanting to bring division based upon people's inability to keep their opinion from getting out of their mouth and start arguments and strife and fussing and fighting. And we determined that we were not going to allow this Amorite to make us go to war with our friends and our families and tear down our church, our nation. We're not going to be those who are given to opinionated outbursts. Your opinion is just that. It's your opinion. The word of God holds a different place in our life. These are enemies that try to destroy what God is trying to build. Compromise, fear, and terror. Stubborn opinion. Today, we are looking at a new enemy. Let's read in Exodus chapter 23. Exodus chapter 23, I'll be reading from the New King James Version. The next enemy that we see the next enemy that, that the children of Israel encountered. Beginning in verse 20, this is God speaking to the children of Israel. Exodus 23, 20. Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Now the angel of the Lord is here to keep us in the way because uh, there is a way. Everybody say there is a way. You know, there is a way, amen? There is a way. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. There is a way. The angel of the Lord was given to them to keep them in the way and to bring them on their journey to the place that God had prepared. To keep and to bring. Verse 21 God said, beware of this angel, beware of him, and obey his voice. Do not provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. Amen. That Yahweh that saves, God our Savior, this angel of the Lord. Beware of him, my name is in him. Verse 22, but if you 
indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. Boy, I kind of like that. All I have to do is just follow the angel of the Lord and do what he says, and God's going to be an enemy to my enemies, and God's going to be a friend to my friends. Wow. Verse 23, for my angel will go before you and bring you in to the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. Oh, glory. God's going to cut them off. He's going to bring me in to where they are if I'll just obey him, and God is going to cut them off. And I like that. Whew. I'm going to preach in a minute. I'm trying to be mild-mannered. <laughs> Verse 24. You shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do according to their works. Don't you do like any of them did. But you shall utterly overthrow them. No mamby-pamby stuff here. Hey? You need to get violent against the enemies that are trying to destroy your soul, your family, your community, your church, your life, the generation to come. You don't need to be playing around with these. You need to absolutely overthrow them and completely break down their sacred pillars. They have been trusting in these sacred pillars that they can make you mad, give you a strong opinion, divide you and send you to war, even against your own family. They have been trusting that they can tear down what God is doing. They want to stand on your ground. God said, throw them down. Break them down. Verse 25. So you shall serve the Lord your God. Him only shall you serve. And he will bless your bread and your water. Glory to God. I'm happy about that. And I will take sickness from the midst of you. My, what a promise that God is giving that he will do if we can rout out the enemies of our souls. July 1982, July the 4th, I'd been fasting and praying and I was sitting in a room by myself. I was playing a keyboard and I was singing a song that says, Within the veil I now come. To look upon your face and see your matchless grace. There is such beauty there, none other can, can compare. I worship you, O Lord, within the veil. And as I played on that keyboard and worshiping the Lord and praying and fasting and, and seeking God, I just wanted to know God more. I just wanted to go deeper. I just wanted to give everything I had to him. And there I saw something. I felt the presence of God, but I saw a cloud of God's glory. And I stand to testify that it happened. It happened as it rolled into a room that was next to the room I was in. And there, as I continued to worship the Lord, I felt like I was on holy ground. I got off of that little stool, and when I walked over into that doorway, the cloud of God, the only thing I can describe it was is it was a rolling Shekinah glory of God there for me. I can't tell you you would have seen it if you would have been there, but I saw it, I felt it, and I fell down in 
in that presence and there I began to weep and cry uncontrollably weeping I don't know how long I was laying there but when I finally came to realize what I was saying I was crying and I was weeping over and over saying the same words I was saying bless your people God God bless your people God bless your people God bless your people and I heard as I began to be conscious I heard a rumbling thundering voice of almighty God speak to me people have asked me all these years they've said preacher do you think that there was an audible voice of God and I'm telling you like I've told them oh no it was much louder than that it vibrated my very being it shook my soul it was so loud it overwhelmed me and it clothed me with a voice and he said this I have blessed my people now you go and you teach them how to walk in those blessings I am convinced of two things this week I've revisited God concerning my calling I know for sure that he has called me to teach the word of the living God. I am convinced that I am anointed by God. And if you will do what I teach you to do from God's word, it will not guarantee that you'll never have any more problems, but it will guarantee that you will never be the problem. It will make you a blessing. And other people will just have to find their place around that. And many will find a place of peace and rest and safety in your presence. A second thing I'm convinced of is that God has already blessed us. And if we could learn to walk in what he has already done, we can walk in salvation We can walk in freedom from sin, sickness, poverty, worry, anxiety, frustration, defeat, anger, resentment, unforgiveness. We can walk in what God has already paid for through the blood of Jesus Christ. But it takes us walking in it. And that's what he's telling them. He's telling them, if you'll just do what I say, you will be blessed and I will make you a blessing to others. The lesson today focuses our attention on that demonic spirit, the parasite. The word parasite means villager. It means to dwell without walls, with no standards, without boundaries. Someone that lives out in the open They don't want to live in a walled city. They don't want to live in confines. They don't want to be confined. They want to be outside of all of the, you know, the the don't fence me in kind of feeling. Don't fence me in with rules and regulations, with morals and absolutes. Don't fence me in with rights and responsibilities. People who say, I'm a free spirit. I can do anything I want. You're not my boss. You can't judge me. What I do is my business. It's none of yours. You know, that sounds good all the way right up to the point where it's not. I'll do whatever I want and it's none of your business. That sounds good right up to the point where it's not. There is a God-given call 
on mankind. To not be judgmental and not be critical of others. That's a God seed in us. God wants us to live in peace. There is a seed of God's desire that has been placed in us since the, since the beginning of time. That God does not want us to be judgmental and critical. He wants us to live in peace. But the enemy of our soul has taken such advantage of that one element, that one seed, and he has robbed the church from standing up, robbed individuals from standing up for what is right and to say this is wrong. The enemy of our soul, he does his best to deceive and to trick us into thinking that we are doing good and that we're being a better human if we just accept everything, that I'm okay, you're okay, anything approached to life. It is a trap of the parasite. No standards, no walls, no rules, no regulation. My truth, your truth, relative truth, nothing's true. There are no absolutes. What's right for me may not be right for you. That's not the truth. Every generation, every nation, every society has met its demise when it begins to buy into it, anything goes. You can do what you want to. Everything is free kind of attitude. You see, truth is absolute. And the Bible is absolutely true. Just ask those people who lived in the pre-flood world. Just ask those people in Sodom and Gomorrah if anything goes. We cannot just do anything we want without facing the consequences. Some things are right and some things are wrong. Some things are godly and some things are wicked. Good news. Here's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God is only asking us to judge ourselves. God's not asking us to judge anyone else but ourselves. That's the good news message. God's not asking you to judge your neighbor or your friend. God's not asking you to judge anyone else in this life. But he is definitely asking you to judge yourself. Like Joshua. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God has set standards of life, standards which promote family and unity and godliness and community. And the devil is doing his best to bring into our lives, our generation, our nation, an anything goes. I'm not your judge. I'm not, that does not equal that I cannot hold a standard in my life. You see, the standards by which you live your life will be reflected in your choices. The choices you make, the votes you cast, and the issues you support. Boy, I know I just hit some of you right there in the political gut. Let me say that again. The standards by which you live your life will be reflected in the choices you make, in the votes you cast, and in the issues you support. There's no way around it. God's asking us. That's good. God's only asking you to judge yourself. 
and you make the right choices. Make the right choices in what you support. You don't have to be mean and ugly and nasty and against everything. Be for something. Be for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Be for godliness. Be for purity. Be for the moral, high moral standards of the Word of God. You don't have to jump up and down screaming about how much you're against adultery. Just be for purity. <laughs> Without standards, and we have no values to uphold, and there's no truths to preserve, and there's no absolutes. You know, uh, it's, it's, it, wickedness prevails where there are no truths. Wickedness promotes society families, lives with no rules, no right, no wrong, anything goes, no standards, relative sin. Let me tell you what we tolerate today becomes the norm tomorrow. And you don't have to judge anyone but you. In fact, let me encourage you, don't judge anybody but you. Okay? Joshua didn't say, as for me and my house, and by the way, the rest of you or else I'll cut your head off. The word of God is aimed at you. As for me and my house. Judges chapter 3. This is just three chapters out of the book of Joshua. Joshua does great all of his life. He leads by example. When people see you living in the light and, and, and filled with the joy and sharing the love and, and the peace of God and, and God's blessing. When people see that in your life, man... They'll follow you. They followed Joshua all the days of his life. You know, but when Joshua died, we're just three chapters into the book of Judges. And what happens? Well, let's read it. Judges 3, verse 5. Thus the children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And guess what they did in verse 6? And they took their daughters to be their wives and gave their daughters to their sons and they served their gods. I thought God had just told them, listen, don't be like them. Don't do what they do. Don't, you know, there's a reason why God says, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. It invites the enemy that you are trying to defeat into your house and take residence in your house. And you begin to have trouble that you should not have. He said, listen, don't be playing around with these Hivites and these Hittites and these Jebusites. Don't be playing around with compromise. Don't be playing around with these things. Because if you do, they will get into your life again. And what happened? Verse 7, so the children of Israel did evil. You see, it just rippled through the whole tribe and through the whole nation. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God. And they served the Baals and Asherahs. Wow. Therefore, verse 8 begins to say, the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel and he sold them. Another generation back into slavery. They just came out. But they got to messing around with a little compromise here. A little opinionated uh, stubbornness here. Just a little, you know, well, it's okay. You know, a little no walls, no standards. Well, who, I mean, come on now. The words that Moses wrote, 
They're already near 50 years old. He doesn't know what we're facing today. I mean, come on. The Bible is old. God's old. He, he certainly can't understand the complexities of what comes to me on my cell phone every day. Oh. No standards, no walls, no rules, no rights, no wrongs. And pretty soon, no God. He sold them into slavery. Was he trying to hurt them? No, he was trying to redeem them. He's trying to get their attention. He'll send a deliverer and get their attention one more time. But another generation back into slavery to that demon spirit, the parasite. They just finally said, oh, they forgot their God. Oh, forget what God said. We can do anything we want. This is our life. I mean, he got us here and now we're okay. I mean, I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. So, I mean, come, come on now. I mean, I'm going to church, you know, you know uh, every now and then. And I read my Bible. Well, I've got it on my phone. And, uh, uh, and I pray before every meal. Most meals forgot their God. They forgot. It's pretty easy to forget about almost anything that you quit taken care of well how can I identify the parasite well I'm sorry to tell you but it's come to this prayer has it has it come to that <laughs> has the situation got bad enough that we gonna have to pray oh my how do I identify that parasite who's trying to tell me that Hey, it's okay. I mean, it's been this way for a long time. I mean, it's, I mean, you know, does it even bother anybody that God's not in schools anymore? I mean, he hadn't been there for so long. We need to be for something. Prayer. I'm going to encourage you to ask God to open your spiritual ears so that you can hear that parasites, liberal ideologies, and the ideologies of this fallen world. So that you can hear them for what they are. Not everything that looks good, sounds good, and feels good is good. There are some things which are wicked by nature. There are some things which weaken individuals and families. There are some things which tear down relationships, that open up relationships to hurt. There are some things that divide by nature. There are some wicked things, some evil things that have put on clothes to make them look good, feel good, smell good, act good, sound good, but on the end Inside, they are filled with dead men's bones. Some things are wrong. And we should not be supporting and promoting and espousing these things, even if they have been going on for 60 years, 100 years. We need to shine the simple light of the gospel of Jesus Christ on each and every one of our decisions. And every judgment that we make, just simply go back to the word. Just, just throw it up against the word. And if it violates the word, don't. I'm talking about you judging you, not you judging somebody else. So if in your brain you are thinking something that has been planted there as a seed by the devil, it will sound like you 
It will sound good. It will sound like wisdom. It'll sound like what sounded like in Eve's mind. It will be, you'll look at it, it'll look good. It'll be uh, desirous. It'll be, you know, it, it, it looks like it'll make you wise. You know, it's good for food, okay? Now, the devil's not gonna come and tell you to do wicked, evil things. He's gonna come and try to get you to do good-sounding things. And in your head, it's going to sound good to you. And, 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 and you're gonna see it, that it's gonna, looks like it's gonna do some good somewhere. And it looks like it's going to, I mean, it's not going to hurt. And, and, and if in your head you'll get the habit of throwing those thoughts up against God's word, here's what the parasite's going to say whenever you tell yourself a scripture that, that well, what about the Bible says be angry and sin not. The Bible says that, you know, uh, that, that, that speak evil of no person. The Bible says, you know, and, and you go, well, I know, but. Boy, when you get to that first butt, realize that is that stinking parasite trying to get me to justify my sin under the umbrella of it's okay. It ain't okay. God said, stomp it down. Grind it to powder. Jump up and down on that thought. <laughs> okay? Just throw it up against the word of God. Now, this is not the correct picture. Whenever one of your friends or enemies or employees or employers, whenever they say something and immediately you throw it up against the word of God in your head, it's not time to jump on them and grind them to powder. Okay? If you have the relationship with them that you can share the word of God in some, some loving kind, redemptive way, then share the word of God, okay? If you have a relationship that you can tell them three or four times, listen, that's not God. That's not God. That's not God. You know, never agree with it being God, but there comes a point when you just probably need to shut up because you are not going to be judged by what the other person does. Okay? Every person stands or falls before God. God is only asking you to make sure that you throw what you're going to do or say or think up against his word. And you, if it does not meet God's word, repent. Stomp it in the ground. I know it's not easy, but do it anyway. Deuteronomy says... In uh, uh, verse 7, what can I do to defeat this parasite? You know, what can I do to identify him? Well, I need to pray. And if he doesn't live up to the word, then I need to realize it's the enemy. Okay. What can I do to defeat him? Deuteronomy 7 verse 2 says, And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them from before thee, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them, and shall make no covenant with them, nor show them any mercy. Don't show the devil any mercy. If you find that you have some stinking thinking in your head, if you find that you have some, some rotten ideas, something that is dividing, something that is, that is stubborn, something that is compromised, something that is, that is, that is making you afraid and terrorizing and, 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 and giving you confusion, the Bible says God is not the author of confusion. If you find something that is, that, okay, well then just stomp it to smithereens. Just decide that's not God. Make no covenant with it. Don't agree with wickedness. Don't agree with sin. Now, if it's just your opinion, 
Jesus didn't die on the cross for your opinion. He died on the cross for your sin. Okay? If you can't figure this one out, let me encourage you to, to, to get some wise and godly counsel. Proverbs 12, 15 says this, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. I can't just, just, just believe over and over and over and over in the word of God, the Bible talks about, well, it seemed right to me. Well, it felt right to me. Well, it seemed right. It seemed right. It seemed right. It seemed right. Listen, if it violates the word of God, it ain't right. Not if it violates your comfortability or your opinion, especially if it's in somebody else's world. God only calls us to judge ourselves. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. So if you find yourself at odds with God, just, just repent and reflect the truth. There are five things we've learned the last five weeks. Number one, we learned that the Old Testament accounts of the children of Israel make up a spiritual roadmap for our lives today. Number two, we learned that we cannot live a victorious Christian life with one foot in the kingdom of God and one foot in the world. Number three, we learned that we should not be afraid. The question we ask ourselves is, what would you do for God if you weren't afraid? Well, do that. Just do that. What would you do for God if you weren't afraid? Well, just do that. Number four, last week, we learned that we should be unwilling to go to war with family and friends. Unwilling to go to war with them. I'm not going to allow that Amorite to make me go to war with my children, with my parents, with my friends. I'm not going to let him destroy my relationships over my opinion or over their opinion. They have as much right to be wrong as I do, but I have a responsibility to be godly. Not going to go to war. Number five, Today, there is a point beyond which tolerance ceases to be a virtue. This morning, let me give you a quote from Billy Graham. Billy Graham said this, There is no such thing as a social gospel. There is only one truth. And if anyone preaches anything else, let him be cursed. Only Jesus can save your soul. Don't be fooled. You're not okay if you're not born again. You must be born again. Are you right with God? This morning, being right with God is more important than anything else. You cannot be right with God if you are not born again. Say, preacher, what does that mean? It's my first time here. I, I'm, I'm, I've heard that, but I don't know what it means. To be born again means that that old man on the inside of you, the, the, the person you were born with, that spiritual person you were born with, dies at the cross of Calvary and that a brand new person comes alive. How does that happen? It happens when we recognize we need a savior, when we repent of our sins, and tell God we're sorry. And whenever we receive Jesus as Lord and savior, asking Jesus, Jesus come into my heart, 
be my Lord, be my Savior. That's where it begins. As a baby, newborn spiritually. Nicodemus asked Jesus, do I have to enter into my mother's womb and be born again? Jesus said, no, it is a spiritual being born again. You can be born again by the Spirit of God this morning. There's no other way to be saved, no other way to be right with God. Today, you can be saved just for asking. And then, like the children of Israel, they were saved, they were water baptized, they, they went to church, they received the Word of God, they were covered by the Holy Spirit, but they stopped following God. They forgot about God and they stopped doing what God wanted them to do. That can happen in your Christian life. Things can get cold and old. And when it does, you need, don't, don't deny it. Don't, don't hide from it. Embrace the reality, the truth that I am not right with God. In my mind, in my heart, something's not right with God. Because only Jesus can save your soul and only Jesus can satisfy your life and Jesus is the answer for you today. Be born again or recommit your life to Christ. Today is your day. While I pray, you pray. Bow your head and close your eyes. While I pray for you, you pray for you. Be sincere. Say the words that you believe. Focus your prayers on God. He is listening. He will hear your prayer. Pray with me now. God, I need your help. I recognize that I need you. I need you to be born again and I need you to live a life that is right before you. I need your help. Right now, I repent of my sins. Lord, I may not even know what is wrong with my thinking, what is wrong with my heart, what is wrong with my life. But God, I know, God, that I need to be right with you. Forgive me, God. Heal my mind. Heal my heart and my hurt. Forgive me of my sins. Send your Holy Spirit into my heart. Cleanse me from unrighteousness. God, I give you my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. From this moment forward, I forsake sin. I push it away from me. I will not partner with my enemies. I will not be a part of dividing my family and dividing my friendships. God, fix me. I give you my life. Father, thank you. It's in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.